So let's go to verse 10. Romans 12, 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's our focus. It's addressed to the church, not to everybody. One another means the church. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't have affection for unbelievers. You should. You're married to one, perhaps, or you have one in your family, a child or a dad or a mom or an uncle, somebody at work. You really, really have affection for this unbeliever. I'm not saying that when it says one another, you don't do it to unbelievers. I'm saying there's something special in the body will be there. And I'm not saying when it says outdo one another in showing honor, it doesn't mean you don't honor unbelievers. There is a way to honor all men. First Peter 2, 7, honor all men. Honor the king. Nero was king when that was written. There's a way to honor a criminal. I taught this text at Bethel 25, 27 years ago now. And I mean, the text, not this text, the one in First uh, Peter 2, 7, where it says, honor all men. My, my question on the study guide for their homework was, how do you honor a murderer? And my answer was, put him in jail. Don't treat him like an animal. He's a human being in the image of God. Probably he should be put to death if it was aggravated enough. Because the Bible says, you shed the blood of a person in the image of God, your blood will be shed. It's the dignity of man that undergirds honoring by capital punishment. It's not a sermon about capital punishment. That's just a parenthesis, and it's a complicated issue, especially when there are inequities involved. But close that parenthesis. I just wanted to make sure that when you hear the word one another, you don't say, oh, we don't have to be affectionate towards unbelievers, and we don't have to show honor to unbelievers. That's not implied in the word one another. What's What's implied here is in this body, in this family, there is a way to do affection and do honor that's special, unique, different from the world. I have three questions. One, what is it? Two, why? And three, how? What is affection and honor? Why is God Worked up about this enough to push it on us. And how in the world do you feel affection for somebody who's a jerk? You don't even like them. And how do you show honor to people who do dishonorable things? So that's where we're going. Question number one. What is affection and honor that is to be shown? What is it? Let's talk about affection first. Love one another with brotherly affection. Both of those words, the love word and the brotherly affection word, are emotion-laden words. Which immediately ruins the notion that you may have heard, what you got to do is love people. You don't have to like them. Ever heard that? You just got to love them. You don't need to like them. Don't worry about your emotions. Just do good things for them. Pray for them. 
do nice things for bad people, love them. Just don't worry about the emotional component. This text will not suffer that interpretation. In the body of Christ, we must go beyond doing nice things for each other. The text says, love, and it is not the agape word. It's a word you never heard of. It's not used anywhere else in the Bible, but it's a common word in Greek, philostorge. It's the kind of thing you feel for your favorite sweater with holes in the elbows. Or a 13-year-old dog like Sable, all she does is lie around and bark when she's supposed to. You know you're going to cry when she dies. Just a dog, just a dog. And you're going to cry. Because there's a philos, there's a storge there. There's an affection there. It's just been built up over years of nearness. Or an old chair you've sat in for two decades. Or a friend. It's no dishonor to put people and dogs and chairs and sweaters in the same category on this kind of love. Because, because that's, there's a commonality there. There's a lot of kinds of loves. And this is a kind of love that you feel for a friend. You know, you got one of these? Where if you go out to eat and you don't have anything to say, silence for five minutes is no problem. That's a kind of friend. That's a rare kind of friend. If you feel awkward, that's not that kind of friend. This is a text about emotions. Love one another. And then this other word, you do know, you know this Greek word. There's a city in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, that's the Greek word here. Brotherly love, it's a family word. And I know family squabble. I know brothers, I raised four sons, I know brothers can bang on each other and talk bad about each other and, and just, but you let one big guy on the playground get on that little brother. You see what affection is. You let one of those brothers get sick and walk up to the edge of the grave. So we've got a word here. I'm answering the what question. Love one another with brotherly affection is saying have emotions for each other that correspond to your family reality in the church of Christ. You are brothers and sisters. Have affection for one another. And if you say... I can't do that. There's too many weirdos and goofballs and emotional misfits in the church. They're just, they're just irritating. I can't feel that for them. I'd say, since when did you ever think the commands of God were possible? Whoever taught you that crazy theology? God doesn't just come to you and say, now, what are you capable of? And you tell him and they say, okay, well, I'm going to tell you to do that. That's not the way God negotiates. There are things that are right to feel and right to say and right to do. If you don't have the capacity to do them, God's going to tell you to do them anyway. They're right. And the only reason we can't do them is because we're so corrupt and fallen. That doesn't get us off the hook. we got to change. When God comes and says, feel affection for your brother, and you don't, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. That's where we are. All through this chapter, 
We've got commands laid on us we cannot do in our own fallen nature. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. We've got to have new birth. We've got to have transformation. We've got to have a cross and a resurrection. We have to have power from on high to sinners like us. There's no way you can do Romans 12 on your own. So don't bring up the objection, whoa, whoa I can't feel affection for somebody I don't like. Well, yeah, that's right. You can't, but you must. What about the honor half? Outdo one another in showing honor. I think this is different from affection. You know it's different. You can honor somebody you don't like. I'm not saying you should choose. Like, I'm the honor person in this church. I honor people. And then there's these mushy people who have a lot of affection for people. They do that. I do this. So we just it's, it's happening in the church. That's not what's going on here. God is not saying, okay, some of you like to honor, you honor. And some of you like to feel affection, you do that. He's saying you don't choose here. But they are different. And the way they're shown to be different is that you can honor the dishonorable. What does that mean? What is honoring? My best shot at what honoring is, is treating someone and with your deeds and with your words as worthy of your service. That's what I think honor means. Treat someone as worthy of your service. I say treat them that way. They may not be. Worthy of your service. Jesus said, you can't be great unless you become the servant of all. Not the honorable. All. Let me give you some examples from the Bible. A couple of examples of why I'm stressing the fact that we must honor even those who seem to be dishonorable. First Timothy 6.1 Addressed to slaves. Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard, count their masters as worthy of all honor. They might be scoundrels. And to say that there is a way to honor a scoundrel is not to say you don't ever call a scoundrel to account. You do put people in jail. They commit a crime. The honorable thing to do is to say, you can't do that in this society. You can't rape. You can't murder. You can't steal. We put people like that in jail or we find them. We punish because you're human. We don't put dogs in jail. We kill them. Just like that with the gun. They got rabies. You go to jail. You're a man. So I'm not saying that when you are called upon to honor the dishonorable, you don't ever call the dishonorable to account. Here's another example. 1 Corinthians 12, 23. You got the analogy between the human body and the body of Christ. And the human body, he says, has parts that you should cover because they're less honorable. Listen to how he says it. On those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Now, there's a category. I'm trying to get a category for your head. There is a way to honor the dishonorable. And I'm saying it is counting them, regarding them worthy of your service, whether they are or not. That's an amazing thing. 
And so you become the servant of all and you serve different people in different ways. But honor is to be there. So when it says now, outdo one another in showing honor, what's that? What kind of competition is that? That's interesting. Oh, for marriages that did that kind of competition. I'm going to honor her way more today than she honors me. I'm not going to be beat today. I'm giving more honor today. She's not going to out-honor me today. I'm going to out-honor her today. That's wonderful competition, and that's the way it ought to be in the church. Basically, I think it boils down to this. Do you prefer to honor rather than be honored? That's what's in this text. This, this is a Greek word. I can't unpack it. It's real complicated, but I think it boils down to that. Do you prefer to give it rather than get it? And if you don't, and we're all wired to love it, we're all wired to get it. Everybody, by fallen nature, wants to be praised, thanked, commended, complimented, honored, built up, lifted up, extolled. Yes, please make much of me. It feels so good. That's got to die. And one of the ways it dies is by preferring to do it. And if you do it and do it and do it, suddenly you realize, I've forgotten about me. Oh, it feels so good to just be doing it. Bless, bless, honor, honor, affection. Let me give you a little beware moment here. A beware moment. It's a warning. I was in the uh, racial harmony discussion group on Saturday. I wish 3,000 people were there instead of 15. Oh, how rich it is to hear the stories across the lines. So I was made sensitive at that moment. And I remembered James. I'm sticking it in here. Listen to James. This is about honoring partially. No, that's not quite the way to say it. With partiality. That's what I'm trying to say. Honoring with partiality. Oh, I don't want this to happen here. This is not who we are. And it cuts across a lot of kinds of partiality. Let me read one kind from James 2. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring... And fine clothing, just right for church, right? Comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing comes in. And if you pay attention, now just substitute the word show honor there. If you show honor to the one who wears the fine clothing and say you sit in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored. There's in the text. In the text, you have dishonored the poor man. Oh, may it not be that there are people who come through that door and are wrong sex, wrong educational level, wrong age, wrong socioeconomic status, wrong race, wrong dress, wrong body weight, wrong personality, and you've got your favorites, and you steer away from that person, and toward this person, honor, 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 and just neglect, neglect, neglect. Don't do that. Lean toward the person that feels I have talked to people 
even missionaries who come home, who say the loneliest place in the world is from the outside door over there to the pew. Filled with 500 people that they're trying to get between and nobody notices or says, or worse, worse. Here's a worse story I've been told. It's like walking in and Moses and the Red Sea. And the crowd just splits. I'm not getting near that person. That person looks dangerous. Dressed a little funny. Not sure about that. Get next to that person. In the power and the name and the love of Jesus. Break it. Break what you think is there. You think it's dangerous? Break the danger. That person's lived with that all his life probably. Let's not be that at Bethlehem. We're not going to be a partiality-driven, honoring people. It's my kind, my familiar set. That's the warning, beware moment. End of point one, the what question. Point two, the why question. Why does this matter? Why does the Bible say, love one another with brotherly affection? Outdo one another in showing honor. Why? Who cares? I mean, what difference does it make? I'm assuming it matters because it's in the Bible in the form of an imperative to us. Answer number one to the why question. When you love with affection a brother or sister in Christ, and when you outdo one another in showing honor, you manifest and confirm your new nature in Christ. That's who you are in Christ. In other words, it's natural to the supernatural reality that is in you to love with affection other believers and to love honoring more than being honored. That's natural to the new man, unnatural to the old man, You show your new, you show your newness, you manifest and confirm who you are in Christ when you act according to your new nature. Those who are born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, justified by faith, treasuring Christ, hoping in the glory of God. There are behaviors that mark you chips off the old block named God. There's a character that you have. If you don't live in that character, you may not be a chip. It confirms, it displays who you really are. Don't respond to that by saying, if it's natural, then you don't need to command it. The reason you should not respond that way is because the Holy Spirit produces his fruit by working from the inside by power and from the outside by word. Get this. This is fundamental to Christian living. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. Fruit grows on trees. It's natural. The Holy Spirit produces fruit, but he doesn't produce it Unidirectionally, only word or only power, only from within or only from without. 
He produces it bi-directionally. The Holy Spirit has delivered an inspired word to us. He did, he gets in us and he delivers power to us. And they come together. Right now it's coming together in this room for many people. Word is coming, power is arising, and affection and the inclinations to pursue honoring rather than being honored is happening in hearts. That's the way God works. It's natural. God produces fruit. Affection is natural. First John 5, 1. Everyone who loves the Father loves whomever has been born of Him. Your affections for God will be expressed in affections for God's children. And if it isn't happening, we'll get to that in a minute on the how question. You know what? You're going to live with each other forever and ever. And it will be the sweetest possible relation imaginable with every other Christian on planet Earth. Therefore, get used to it. It's really, really a profound, scary contradiction to look at a person who is a professing believer, has some evidences of new birth, and you don't like him at all. That's a scary situation to be in. Because you're going to be with him forever. So something's wrong. Really, really, really deeply wrong. Honoring is natural because of how we've been treated by God. John Piper in himself is infinitely dishonorable to God. Left to myself, without the Holy Spirit, I prefer other things to God. When you prefer, as a little creature, another finite thing to an infinitely valuable God, you commit an infinite indignity. An infinite indignity. Worthy of everlasting hell. And if that doesn't make sense to you, you don't know yet the fullness of of the supremacy and the infinite glory and holiness of God, whom to fall short of is an infinite indignity to Him. And that's who I am, apart from grace. And along came Jesus at Christmas time and on Good Friday and laid His life down and did me the honor of serving me. And saving my soul. you got to have a category here. Lest you commit heresy. A category of honoring the totally dishonorable. If you don't have that category. I've just spoken heresy. Because you're going to put worth in me. And make that the reason he responded like that. Say, Of course he died for you. You're a diamond in the rough. That is not the way we're thinking here. We're thinking. John Piper has done everything possible. To make this impossible. For God to do. And God has found a merciful way to honor me by dying for me and raising me up 
seating me on the throne with God and making me one of his children. Let it take your breath away when you are tempted to dishonor another believer. It's no accident that 11 chapters of Romans were written before chapter 12, and they're mainly about justification. Do you feel the wonder of justification and how it works in marriage and how it works in Sunday school classes and committee meetings and and in life? Do you feel how justification works? God comes to you and he says, though you are guilty, I declare you not guilty. Though you are unrighteous, I clothe you with the righteousness of my son by faith alone. Now you come having been treated like that, and here's a person who's done a dishonorable thing to you or to someone you love. Are you going to justify them like God did you and clothe them with righteousness that is just recognized that God has? Do not dishonor the blood of Jesus by which he has covered the sins of your adversary. Do not dishonor the righteousness of Christ with which God has clothed your unrighteous brother or sister in Christ who treat you so disrespectfully. Don't dishonor the blood and righteousness by saying, well, it's been done to me, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going to reckon my wife righteous. I'm not going to reckon my staff member righteous after what they just said to me. No way. Affection and honor cannot grow in that soil. It's not Christian soil. Justification has massive implications for how we live our lives. So, answer number two to why. The first answer was show who you are. Be who you are. Become who you are. Second answer to why we do this is that it strengthens and confirms the faith and the standing of others. If you're on the, if you're on the receiving end of being honored or affection in the body, it confirms you're in the body. I'm one. I'm a family member. I was just loved with affection by a brother in the name of Jesus. I'm a member. We need to do that for each other. We need to come. There's a lot of people in this church who struggle with the assurance of salvation. Many of them don't talk about it because it's, it's just it's so scary. It feels scary. I'm not sure I'm saved. I mean, that's huge. We need to help each other. And one of the ways is we show affection to one another and honor one another as members in the body. And a person feels, I'm included. I'm included in there, and the little, the little seed that is so wobbly in their soul, it can begin to flower, become a strong tree, and then they can begin to do it too. That's the second reason it confirms each other, confirms each other in, in our standing before God. The, the third why is that it displays the glory of Christ. We've said enough of this maybe, but it's the most important. Be kind to one another, Paul said in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God in Christ is tender. 
If God in Christ is tender, then living that way displays what God in Christ looks like. Displays Christ. That's what we want to do. That's what our life is about on earth is make Jesus look good by showing affection to one another and honoring one another. And the last reason on the, the why is it lures people to God. It lures the outside to God. You read Stephen Neal's uh, history of Christian missions. The first 50 pages are amazing about why the church spread like wildfire under persecution for 300 years. Why? Why? You've got nothing to gain here except heaven. They're going to kill you. Every Christian for 300 years knew you, you say Jesus is Lord, your life is in jeopardy. And the church grew. We think to grow a church, you've got to not say those kinds of things. Your life is in jeopardy. Why? And, and he gives six reasons. And number five is the beautiful community of believers. Loyalty to one another. Burying the lepers, getting their hands dirty with the risky people. It looked so different from the pagan world. So if we would be given by God the grace to love each other with brotherly affection and to love honoring rather than being honored, a community might appear that caused people to walk in and say, I've never, I would love to be a part of something like this. It is happening. It happens. But oh, how it can happen better. Last question. The how question. How do you show affection to a believer you don't even like? Can you? Should you dislike? Or how do you honor believers who may do dishonorable things? Um, everything I preach is an answer to that question. Everything in the Bible is an answer to that question. Everything God has ever done in redemptive history is an answer to how do you become a loving person with a new nature. But since that's not a helpful answer, let's get more specific. Let me give you the, the foundation in a sentence and then talk in closing with a couple of practical guidelines. To become the kind of person who loves with brotherly affection... And loves to honor rather than be honored. You have to know, one, that God commanded this. It's not a negotiable. Two, that this belongs to your new nature in Christ. It's who you are. Whether you're living it out perfectly, you're not. It's who you are in Christ. We're becoming who we are. Third, you have to admit you can't do it on your own. You can't do it. I can't make myself feel affection for somebody that I don't feel affection for. And yet I must feel affection. This is how radical Christianity is. And fourth, therefore, you pray. God, make me an affectionate pastor. God, make us an affectionate eldership. God, make Bethlehem a a church that is so affectionate towards one another. And loves to honor each other. Crosses the commons to honor a person. Becoming a servant. Lifting up. Rather than putting down.
Those are the four things that are basic. I mean, that's just basic Christianity. God commanded it. It's part of your nature. You can't do it on your own. Pray and ask God to do it in you, through you. But here's the practical things. I'll try to close with them. Preach to yourself, preach to yourself that the people around you are the children of God. Can't say it to yourself enough. I'm sitting beside a person who has been adopted and born again. Both images of how you get into the family are used in the Bible. You got the legal image of adoption and you got the birth image. New birth and adoption. They're both there. God's going to get us in one way or the other. He's going to make it really clear you're in the family. This is a divine family. Tell yourself this person is that. Think on that. Dwell on that. And then say, they're my brothers and they're my sisters forever. Dwell on that. Think on that. Then say, Christ shed his blood for them and all their sins are forgiven. Say that. Shall I hold against them what God doesn't? Say that. Preach that. Because this is the soil in which affection can grow. I've tasted it. I know this is true. I've already talked about the effect of justification being bent out horizontally. I'm clothed with righteousness. I'm forgiven for my sins by faith alone. Therefore, I should look out on those who have faith and justify them in my own eyes. That is, treat them as righteous in Christ. Treat them as forgiven in Christ. Bestow honor on them in that way. Let me bend out sanctification. Because not only is Romans 1 to 11 about justification, it's about sanctification. That is, do this. Look in those who you have a hard time feeling affection for. Look for evidences of God's grace. Look for it. They're there. I promise you, they're there. We are so prone to only look at the works of the flesh rather than the fruits of the Spirit. We get so bent out of shape about people who do this, this, this. They shouldn't do that. Of course they shouldn't. And you shouldn't do all the wrong things you do. If you dwell only on the not yet of the Christian life, not yet perfect, you're going to hate everybody. But if you dwell on the already, look what God is doing. Look what they would be if there were no Holy Spirit there enabling them to subdue a little bit of their anger or a little bit of their lust or a little bit. It would be so much worse. My wife would be a drunkard, right? If I would just dwell on all the things amazing about my wife that God has wrought in her, then I wouldn't be bent out of shape as often, right? And so it is in the church. This is, I'm talking about how to cultivate a ground in which affections grow. You can't make affections happen. I'm not saying it's automatic. I'm saying these are the steps you can take to cultivate a ground in which affections can grow. God has sanctified you and he's going to treat you one day like this. Get this now. This is my little effort to draw a picture of the last judgment for Christians. God's got a file on you. There's a book in which the name is written, 
That's the book of life. And there's another book in which everything you've ever done is written. And that book's going to be opened. And out of it, he's going to pull the files of every day of your life. And there's going to be a lot of F's. That's a grade. We're talking grades here. F, D, D plus, C minus, C, C plus, B minus, B, a real rare B plus, a really, really rare A, and zero A pluses. Only Jesus gets an A plus. A plus is required. That's why we've got to have justification. But he's going to lay out the files, and guess what? He's going to look at them and say, and I'm not sure where he's going to stick in his hand, but right around C+. Plus, he's going to stick in his hand and just whoosh, burn them all up in a can. All the Fs, all the Ds, all the C-minuses burning in the can. And he's going to lift these up in front of the world. And he's going to say, evidences of grace, evidences of grace, evidences of grace. This is my child. And he's going to clothe them with the righteousness of Christ because they've got to be perfect to get in. And they're coming in. Treat each other that way. Look at the file at the front end, not the back end. Lean on the evidences of grace and give God the glory. It will cultivate ground in which affections can grow. Another answer to the how question is to just know yourself. This is the last one. I am a sinner and I'm only saved by mercy. Mercy. You know, the, the more deeply you feel the mercy of God, what, why, why did this chapter begin the way it did? I beseech you by the mercies of God, have affection for each other. I beseech you by the mercies of God, honor each other. Why does it begin with mercy? God's mercy? It's because unless I taste it, unless I feel swept up out of the ocean where I'm drowning, drawn out of the Sinking ship of my sin, drawn down out of the burning building like that one in Chicago last week. Oh, what a terrible fire. Plucked out of the fire. Disease, unless I feel myself plucked from a terminal disease. You all know this. I'm trying to get near to an experience you've all had. When I was, I don't know how much, five, six, seven years old, all I remember is I was little enough to be picked up by my dad and get my arms around him. I was at Daytona Beach. And I didn't know about undertoes. If you've not been to an ocean at a certain season, you don't know what undertoes are like. They're just incredible. So you little kid, you're standing, the water's about up to your waist, no problem, right? I've been up to my waist a million times, right, in swimming pools. Here I am in the ocean up to my waist, and this, this water starts going down. Boom! My feet are gone, and I'm under 30 inches of water, and I can't find the top. I don't know where the top is. But I remember the arms of my dad. <laughs> and... Here's the point. Nobody had to command me. Now, feel affection for your dad here. Be sure to get your arms around your dad. That's the right thing to do. Get your arms around your dad. You're not doing it right. Get your arms around your dad. It's just duty vanishes. But it vanishes because you really felt really frightened. And you really felt strong arms. And if that's not what it means to you to be saved, you're going to have a hard time loving people. So we got to go back, right? We just go back to the beginning and say, oh, God, show me my sin. 
Ephesians 2.12, remember that you were once cut off without hope, without Christ, without promises, without covenant. Remember, remember, because it breaks you. And then remember the cross. Remember how you were lifted up. And then get your arms around him. And I'll tell you, when he puts me down on the beach, I don't remember this, I'm making this up. When he puts me down on the beach, and I walk towards my my sister who is three years older than me, I really like her. Oh, I like her. Beverly, I like you. I didn't get along well with my sister at all. But at that moment, everybody's precious. Everybody's precious. You see it in the hospital. Oh, you see it in the hospital beds. How do people on their back with cancer? Everybody's precious. Everybody's precious. Let's pray. Father, I want to be an affectionate person to my my children, my wife, my staff, this church, indeed unbelievers in appropriate ways. But Lord, work it in me and in us as a people. We want to love each other with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. So grant that it happen now in this church, I pray in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand for a benediction? And as you go... Uh, I think Ken Black would love to have some more of you come to her angel tree table. Go to the angel tree table and find out how to minister to families who have a dad or a mom in prison. She needs 12 more people. Go there. Show honor and affection in that way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. His merciful, fatherly countenance upon you and give you peace and affection and a love to show honor more than you love to be honored. And all the people said, Amen.